Chapter Twenty Three of Henry Dunbar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Henry Dunbar by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. Chapter Twenty Three: The Bride That the Rain Rains On. There was no sunshine upon Laura Dunbar's wedding morning. The wintry sky was low and dark, as if the heavens had been coming gradually down to crush this wicked earth. The damp fog, the slow, drizzling rain shut out the fair landscape upon which the banker's daughter had been wont to look from the pleasant cushioned seat in the deep bay window of her dressing-room. The broad lawn was soddened by that perpetual rain. The incessant raindrops dripped from the low branches of the black spreading cedars of Lebanon, the smooth beads of water ran off the shining laurel leaves, the rhododendrons, the fiery firs, and glistening arbutus. Everything was obscured by that cruel rain. The water gushed out of the quaint dragon's mouths, ranged along the parapet of the abbey roof. It dripped from every stone coping and abutment, from window ledge and porch, from gable end and sheltering ivy. The rain was everywhere, and the incessant pitter-patter of the drops beating against the windows of the abbey made a dismal sound, scarcely less unpleasant to hear than the perpetual lamination of the winds which to-day had the sound of human voices, now moaning drearily with a long, low, wailing murmur, now shrieking in the shrilly tones of an angry vixen. Laura Dunbar gave a long, discontented sigh as she seated herself at her favourite bay window and looked out at the dripping trees upon the lawn below. She was a petted heiress, remember, and the world had gone so smoothly with her hitherto that perhaps— she scarcely endured calamity or contradiction with so good a grace as she might have done had she been a little nearer perfection. She was hardly better than a child as yet, with all a child's ignorant hopefulness and blind trust in the unknown future. She was a pampered child, and she expected to have life made very smooth for her. "'What a horribly dismal morning!' Miss Dunbar exclaimed. "'Did you ever see anything like it, Elizabeth?' Mrs. Madden was bustling about, arranging her young mistress's breakfast upon a little table near the blazing fire. Laura had just emerged from her bathroom, and had put on a loose dressing-gown of wadded blue silk prior to the grand ceremonial of the wedding toilet, which was not to take place until after breakfast. "'I think Miss Dunbar looked lovelier in this deshabille than many a bride in her lace and orange blossoms.' The girl's long golden hair, wet from the bath, hung in rippling confusion about her fresh young face. Two little feet, carelessly thrust into blue morocco slippers, peeped out from amongst the folds of Miss Dunbar's dressing-gown, and one coquettish scarlet heel tapped impatiently upon the floor as the young lady watched that provoking rain. "'What a wretched morning!' she said. "'Well, Miss Laura, it is rather wet,' replied Mrs. Madden in a conciliating tone. "'Rather wet?' echoed Laura with an air of vexation. "'I should think it was rather wet. Indeed, it's miserably wet.' It's horribly wet. To think that the frost should have lasted very nearly three weeks, and then must needs break up upon my wedding morning. Did ever anybody know anything so provoking? Lor, Miss Laura, rejoined the sympathetic Madden, there is all manner of provoking things alas happening in this blessed, wicked, rampageous world of ours. Only such young ladies as you don't often come across them. Talk of being born with a silver spoon in your mouth, Miss Laura. I do think as you must have come into this mortal spear with a whole service of gold plate. And don't you fret your precious heart, my blessed Miss Laura, if the rain is contrary. I dare say the clerk of the weather is one of them rampaging radicals that's a goin' on the bloated aristocracy. 
and he's done it a purpose to aggravate you. But what's a little rain more or less to you, Miss Laura, when you've got more carriages to ride in than if you was a princess in a fairy tale, which I think the princess Baltrubador, or whatever her name was, in the story of Aladdin, must have had no carriage or whatever, or she wouldn't have gone walking to the baths. Never you mind the rain, Miss Laura. But it's a bad omen, isn't it, Elizabeth? asked Laura Dunbar. I seem to remember some old rhyme about the bride that the sun shines on, and the bride that the rain rains on. Laws, Miss Laura, you don't mean to say you'd bemean yourself by talking any heed of such low rubbish as that, exclaimed Mrs. Madden. Why, such stupid rhymes as them are made only for vulgar people that have the bands put up in the parish church. A deal it matters to such as you, Miss Laura, if all the cats and dogs as ever was come down out of the heavens this blessed day. But though honest-hearted Elizabeth Madden did her best to comfort her young mistress after her own simple fashion, she was not herself altogether satisfied. The low, brooding sky, the dark and murky atmosphere, and that monotonous rain would have gone far to depress the spirits of the gayest reveller in all the universe. In spite of ourselves, we are the slave of atmospheric influences, and we cannot feel very light-hearted or happy upon black wintry days when the lowering heavens seem to frown upon our hopes, when, in the darkening of the earthly prospect, we fancy that we see a shadowy curtain closing round an unknown future. Laura felt something of this, for she said, by and by, half impatiently, half mournfully, "'What is the matter with me, Elizabeth? Has all the world changed since yesterday? When I drove home with Papa, after the races yesterday, everything upon earth seemed so bright and beautiful.' Such an overpowering sense of joy was in my heart that I could scarcely believe it was winter, and that it was only the fading November sunshine that lit up the sky. All my future life seemed spread out before me, like an endless series of beautiful pictures, pictures in which I could see Philip and myself, always together, always happy. "'Today! Oh, today! Oh, how different everything is!' exclaimed Laura with a little shudder. The sky that shuts in the lawn yonder seems to shut in my life with it. I can't look forward. If I was going to be parted from Philip today, instead of married to him, I don't think I could feel more miserable than I feel now. Why is it, Elizabeth, dear? My goodness gracious me! cried Mrs. Madden. How should I tell, my precious pet? You talk just like a poetry book. And how can I answer you unless I was another poetry book? Come and have your breakfast. Do. "'That's a clear, sweet love. And try a new-laid egg. New-laid eggs is good for the spirits, my poppet.' Laura Dunbar seated herself in the comfortable armchair between the fireplace and the little breakfast-table. She made a sort of pretense as eating, just to please her old nurse, who fidgeted about the room, now stopping by Laura's chair and urging her to take this, that, or the other, now running to the dressing-table to make some new arrangement about the all-important wedding-toilet, now looking out of the window— and perjuring her simple soul by declaring it, namely, the winter sky, was going to clear up. "'It's breaking up above the elms yonder, Miss Laura,' Elizabeth said. "'There's a bit of blue peeping through the clouds, leastways. If it ain't quite blue, it's a much lighter black than the rest of the sky, and that's something. Eat a bit of paragorge pie, or a thin wafer of a slice off that strassbogum, Miss Laura, do now.' You'll be ready to drop with feeling faint when you get to the altar-rails, if you persist on being married on an empty stomach, Miss Laura. It's a moral impossible as you can look your best, my precious love, if you enter the church in a state of starvation. 
just like one of them respectable beggars what pins a piece of paper on their wet skits with i am hungry wrote upon it in large hand and stands at the foot of one of the bridges on the surrey side of the water and i shouldn't think as you would wish to look like that miss laura on your wedding day i shouldn't if i was going to be own wife to a baronet laura dunbar took very little notice of her nurse's rambling discourse and i am fain to confess that upon this occasion mrs madden talked rather more for the sake of talking than from any overflow of animal spirits the good creature felt the influence of the cold wet cheerless morning quite as keenly as her mistress mrs madden was superstitious as most ignorant and simple-minded people generally are more or less superstition is after all only a dim unconscious poetry which is latent in most natures except in such very hard practical minds as are incapable of believing in anything not even in heaven itself dora macmahon came in presently looking very pretty in blue silk and white lace she looked very happy in spite of the bad weather and miss dunbar suffered herself to be comforted by her half-sister the two girls sat at the table by the fire and breakfasted or pretended to breakfast together who could really attend the common business of eating and drinking on such a day as this i've just been to see lizzie and ellen dora said presently they wouldn't come in here till they were dressed and they've had their hair screwed up in hairpins all night to make it wave and now it's a wet day their hair won't wave after all and their maid's going to pinch it with the fire-irons the tongs i suppose miss macmahon had brown hair with a natural ripple in it and could afford to laugh at the beauty that was obliged to adorn itself by means of hairpins and tongs lizzie and ellen were daughters of a major melville and the special friends of miss dunbar they had come to modestly to act as her bridesmaids according to that favourite promise which young ladies so often make to each other and so very often break laura did not appear to take much interest in the miss melville's hair she was very meditative about something but her meditations must have been of a pleasant nature for there was a smile upon her face dora she said by and by do you know i've been thinking about something about what dear don't you know that old saying about one wedding making many dora mcmahon blushed what of that laura dear she asked very innocently i've been thinking that perhaps another wedding may follow mine oh dora i can't help saying it i should be so happy if arthur lovell and you were to marry miss mccammon blushed a much deeper red than before oh laura she said that's quite impossible but miss dunbar shook her head i shall live in the hope of it notwithstanding she said i love arthur almost as much or perhaps quite as much as if he were my brother so it isn't strange that i should wish to see him married to my sister the two girls might have sat talking for some time longer but they were interrupted by miss dunbar's old nurse who never for a moment lost sight of the serious business of the day it's all very well for you to sit there and jabber 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 miss dora exclaimed the unceremonious elizabeth you're dressed all but your bonnet you've only just to pop that on and there you are but my young lady isn't half dressed yet and now come along miss laura and have your hair done if you mean to have any back hair at all to-day it's past nine o'clock and you're to be at the church at eleven and papa is to give me away murmured laura in a low voice as she seated herself before the dressing-table i wish he loved me better perhaps if he loved you too well he'd keep you instead of giving you away miss laura observed mrs madden with evident enjoyment of her own wit and i don't suppose you'd care about that would you miss hold your head still that's a precious darling and don't you trouble yourself about anything except looking your very best this day End of chapter twenty three